Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Tiffany Hoyd, and you're listening to Hogs Havens Riled Up. I hope you're all having a better time than our beloved Redskins. Whew, what a tragedy Monday Night Football was. Uh, you guys all saw that. I just don't get it. It's beyond and above me now. As usual, we have another very special guest, Ed Hill Jr., affectionately known as Mr. Hill, the legend. Mr. Hill is a member of the Collegiate Sports and Information Hall of Fame and various other Hall of Fames. He served as Sports and Information Director for Howard University for 33 years. He's been a leader, mentor, and pendulum of black college sports, the DMV, and the world of sports in general. He's a connector, a profound innovator, and a mentor. He is currently a consultant, writer, and all-around do-it-all individual. Well, welcome to the show, Mr. Hill. As I was telling you guys, Mr. Hill is a connector. He's an amazing mentor, and he knows everything and everyone. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Hill. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. Mr. Hill, you've been in D.C. forever, right? How many years is it? I know you were at Howard for 33, but how many years in D.C.? I've been in uh, Washington, D.C. since 1963. Okay, you've been in D.C. since 1963. That's correct. So you've seen every facet of D.C. I certainly have. Kind of take us through that timeline and what you've seen with the Redskins. Well, you know, it's interesting because the Redskins at one time, uh, when I first, uh, you know, connected with them, uh, I used to live in the South before coming to Washington, D.C., and at that time, there was no Atlanta Falcons, nor New Orleans Saints. So for the southern, southeast region, and where I lived in North Carolina, the Washington Redskins were the team. Because we didn't have you know, NFL Network and all that then. So that became, so they had, you know, players like Roman Gabriel and Sonny Jervis and, and uh, a, a number of others. But I always wondered why they didn't have some African Americans on the team. And so, eventually, they got Bobby Mitchell. So, Bobby Mitchell became like a, a sort of a hero of sorts among, you know, uh, African-Americans in the city of Washington, D.C. And they later got Charlie Taylor and some other players, Ken Houston. But And the unique thing about the Washington Redskins and its relationship uh, with the Washington, D.C. community was back during those times, uh, there was kind of a, a mixed you know, there were whites in the city, you know, who had lived here for a while, people from Northern Virginia and Montgomery County and uh, Prince George County. But the black community, that was like their team, the Redskins. And so they got support. I think at that time the tickets were 
you know, reasonable enough that they could go to the games. And RFK Stadium, sellouts for the Washington Redskins. I mean, it's like a fever, you know, the day before Redskins game, the day of afterwards, it's a real big thing in the city. And uh, regardless to people's ethnic backgrounds and socioeconomic status, the Redskins were like a fixture. You know, everybody rallied around them as the home team. How do you think gentrification has played a role in not only like Chocolate City kind of dissolving, but the Redskins um, being such a force in D.C.? And within the NFL, how do you think all those things kind of play out together? Well, I think you got some, some different parts working there. One is that when they moved from RFK Stadium, you know, to FedEx out in Landover, it sort of changed, I think, some people's uh, allegiance to the team. So more residents probably of Prince George's County, which I must uh, mention that many of the former residents of Washington, D.C., particularly African-Americans, moved mm-hmm. to Prince George's County because that was the new frontier. And uh, because of the Redskins' popularity during this stay at RFK Stadium, they, brand, they built their brand. And so when they moved out there, I think that people naturally said, okay, we had a bigger venue. We're still going to probably still the Redskins. Um, but I think some of the inner city uh, uh, residents, particularly African-Americans, uh, were not as inclined to go out to Prince George County because there are a lot of things in terms of, you know, logistics, you know, the transportation, parking, and things like that. They're sort of, I think, just, you know, soured on some people. Uh, at RFK Stadium, you know, you had this, the subway that went right there. People go there. Parking was available. And it was it was easy to get there. It felt more like something, a, a family-type environment. Out there, people seemed to kind of drift away from that. And he still had a fan base because the city was growing, this, this DMV area was growing, and the Redskins still. But I think they lost a little something in terms of the support from the African-American community. What do you think that they lost as a whole, meaning from the front office down to the field that has put us in a predicament where we've been losing for the last, to be honest, 20 years? Attendance is down. And let me just say this. I think that attendance is down because, you know, the team has not had any success, uh, much success in the last few years, not going to the playoffs. You're talking about a franchise that's been to the Super Bowl, has won Super Bowls, and, you know, heroes like Doug Williams and, you know, Joe Gibbs was a big fixture in the community. But with the change of ownership, uh, I think that, um, you know, things have changed. But also, uh, if you really look at it, the Capitals weren't here. The Nationals weren't here. Mm -hmm. The Mystics weren't here. The D.C. United weren't here. So you have now that those sports that are going on, so people can find something to do other than going to a Redskins game. You know, and uh, and the other part of that piece is that some people feel, okay, if I go to RFK Stadium to a game, it is, you know, it's close enough. I can get there, get in, settle down, watch, and then get back home. But if you go out to FedEx, you get out there, parking is an issue. Uh, times you take to get there, get in the stadium, you know, get situated, watch the game, and then leave and deal with the traffic. You know, you're talking about six hours, five, six hours. That's what we say. You know what? I'll sit home and watch, 
or what I'll do is I'll go and find some other things on Sunday at 1 p.m., 4 p.m., or, yeah, you know, on a, a, a Monday night. Absolutely, especially if you're going to lose. But from a further standpoint of why, why do you think we're losing, Mr. Hill? Why do you think that we've been in a rut for these 20 years? It seemingly, seemingly they just can't get it right. You know, whether it be through trades, whether it be through draft picks, whether it be through head coaches, you know, it's been a, almost like a, a carousel when it comes to head coaches and they experiment and bring coaches in, but they don't seem to be able to follow the lead of a Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs did things his way and he knew what he wanted to do. He had a, a staff of assistant coaches and they knew how to mix and match. And even before Gibbs, you know, during the George Allen era, for those who can remember that, there was success because George Allen had some unorthodox ways of doing things, but he he really bought into the Redskins and winning and having a relationship with the fans in the city, as did Joe Gibbs. But it seems now uh, that relationship no longer exists. People still follow them and support them because they're the hometown team. But that same fever, that same love, that same rabbit, you know, enthusiasm that you once saw, I don't see it anymore in the streets and moving around the city now as I once did. You think it's kind of stale? I mean, Stephen A. Smith, he was saying that the only reason, I think this was kind of harsh, but the only reason Gruden has his job is because of his last name. And I kind of felt some similarities there with Shanahan and them not really looking outside of the box of the general norm of an NFL coach, not trying to go down, maybe get a college guy to come up and be that beacon for them or that person that can think outside the box create some new offense maybe even a gm that has some outside of the box thinking on how to maximize the salary cap well you know it's interesting you say that because uh just in conversation uh be it you know barbershop uh be it you know in stores grocery stores uh in the streets on the subway uh everyone talks about group they said why is he the head coach? You know, what has he done? He doesn't give you, you know, head coach. The kind of can take a program. But, and I think that probably has some credence to it. However, still there are others who say, well, what about the general manager, Bruce Allen? What is he doing? What has he done to bring in the kind of talent that's coachable you can win with? And then you go further with ladder and they talk about Dan Snyder, the owner. You know, who's helping him make the decisions as far as people that he's hired to make uh, decisions that's going to bring the franchise back to its glory day. So I think it's, you know, there are a lot of people culpable in this, you know, and uh, I don't know what the future holds. You know, seemingly most of the diehard Redskins fans are not very optimistic about the season's chances of making the playoffs. They're almost, they've almost written off the season and conceding, you know, let's see this guy, Dwayne Haskins, a young guy come in here and do some things that we could be content with that even if we don't win, it'll be exciting and it'll be worth kind of following the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know you were telling me about a Cowboy fan saying that, oh, they need to start that rookie quarterback. They, they're they tripping on him and oh, so that's why like, Redskins. You know, the, the Cowboy fans, you, you, you've been around the Washington area you know, realized the intensity of that. So, of course, the the Cowboy fans are relishing 
in the the the, the, the foibles or the, uh, the the lack of success that the Washington team is having right now. So to that end, there's a lot of talking all the time anyway, but even more so on a rub it in type basis <laughs> from the Cowboy fans. So there's a Cowboy fan at the Brooklyn station, and he's talking to any and everybody's listening. He's talking about. Uh, oh, what kind of team are they? You know, they're starting this white quarterback. He threw five interceptions. They've got a black quarterback who's talented. Give him a chance. He needs to be in there because the Cowboys, we have a black quarterback. We have black running backs. We have black <laughs> wide receivers. But he was saying that to anyone who was willing to listen. And he wasn't talking about any in particular. He, was, he knew there were Redskins fans around and they're suffering right now. So he was taking the opportunity to sort of stick it to them a little bit. And, and they they definitely came down hard after that loss. Even though I think we showed flashes of a team that could be competitive with time. You know what I mean? With McLaurin, the young guy. I see a team that with time, with a little precision as far as flexing the salary cap and doing better in the draft. I think we got some pieces in the draft, definitely. I'm going to give him credit for that. But just doing better all around. I think that game definitely showed for me that, okay, this this might not be that bad. Not a Miami Dolphins season. Yeah, and, 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 you know, lest we forget, they've had some significant injuries. I mean, Jordan Reed being hurt is certainly, you know, and we can't discount Trent Williams being out because yeah. he's one of the top three or four offensive tackles in all of football. Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, is definitely, with the, the I think, among the six or seven and he gives them some special because he he is a, he can catch the ball. He has size. He can score. And without him, uh, I, I watched the other night uh, a tight end in a crucial early series that would have got them going, dropped the pass that would have been a first down and kept our drive alive. Instead, they had to punt. And uh, when they punted away, it was the Bears just said, "Okay, we're going down the field." So they're missing some key parts. They seemingly have done a patchwork job in some areas, bringing people in they think that were good someplace else, but may not necessarily have the same talent and ability to contribute that they did where they came from. And it seemed like they're trying to put things together to make up for the injuries and some of the personnel things, but none of it's working, obviously, because they're 0-4. Absolutely. And one thing I saw is there's just a host of players that – they did not resign like Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson has a date against you. His first game back in Philly. This is a team that didn't offer him a max. Like he comes back and he has a day. You could have had Deshaun Jackson right now. Well, in the NFL, as you know, mm-hmm. you have to have that one X factor. Or that one player, Absolutely. be it a quarterback or a defensive player like Khalil Mack, who is a difference maker and has the ability to make other people around him better. So Absolutely. if you think about it, what player that's on this current roster of the Washington team has that ability? I, I don't wanna I do not wanna count out the young wideout because even in that Chicago game to the ver- yes to the very end, he was trying his best. He was not taking on that that lost philosophy that, oh, we're going to lose this week. We're going to lose the next week. We're going to lose the week after that because I see a lot of that on the defense. He 
he was taking on a philosophy of, okay, we're going to be winners. I'm going to play every down. Like, I went to the Ohio State. You know, but he's new and young and playing on for that. But a lot of these players who've been around a while, they're so used to being in the current situation, they're not going to gravitate toward him. You know, no. because if he was a veteran guy, because that's why he brought AP in. They thought Adrian was going to be the guy. You know, he's a proven veteran, probably headed for the Hall of Fame. He, you know, and he kind of gives them that. But there's so many players in, in the organization who seemingly have lost something in terms of enthusiasm that they just kind of play for their money. I know they're professionals and they get out there to train and they play, you know, but they don't seem to be have that. It doesn't seem to be a real strong team effort in the, their approach. Yes. Uh, they play as individuals. They play hard, but they play. They don't. There's not camaraderie. You watch the Bears, and mm-hmm. they're a young team, but the way they, the way they play for each other, how hard they play. Because they've been under fire. People say, "Okay, you all had a good season last year. Let's see what you do now." Mm-hmm. And they kind of against themselves, but somehow they found themselves against the Redskins. Yep. If you look at the Eagles, the Eagles struggled in the preseason. They did they couldn't score because they had so many injuries and they in and, and the first half of the Redskin game, they were the same team. But all of a sudden they said, We've you know, we've been there before, we've been to Super Bowls, we've mm-hmm. been in playoff games, let's do what we do and that's what it is. So it's that kind of mentality in the NFL, I think that's race the teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Rams and and, and, and the Bears from the Redskins and the Miami Dolphins and some of the others. Well, I'm going to have to stop you right there, Miss Jill. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about the man that's making $20 million plus and is not playing like it. That's Jay Norman. We'll be right back. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I'm here with Ed Hill, Mr. Hill, as he's affectionately known. Michelle, we were just talking about a little bit about Jay Norman, and oh my goodness, you watched that Monday night game. This man is literally seven steps off of Gabriel for that touchdown in the end zone. That's just unacceptable for a guy that's making that much money, and I'll be the first to root for Jay Norman. He had three touchdowns in that game, didn't he? He did. He had three touchdowns, and Jay Norman gets beat seven yards off. That's unacceptable for a guy that's making $20 million. And I'll be the first to be like, oh, I'm a Jay Norman fan. Um, I know when they signed Josh Norman, they said, we got a proven veteran, you know, a guy who's all-pro caliber. He's been in the winner. He can bring some stability uh, to the secondary. But if you look at the Redskins second over the last three four years, they have not had Awful. any stalwart players. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, Norman – because so in the NFL, it's rare that you see quarterbacks perform at a high level past six or seven years. And I think he's kind of that one plays on Savvy and his and his guile. But, you know, the skills don't seem to be the same. You know, that's part of it. And then, he, and then he may be trying to, you know, make up and compensate for those players that are playing there with because they seem like they have different players in experience. Not necessarily high caliber NFL uh, safeties or cornerback. So I guess because he is the spokesperson, leader type for the team, he feels somehow that he has made, and maybe he's just trying to do too much, and it's, it's resulting in some of those things we see him get beat. And, and it's, it hasn't gone unnoticed by 
many people, because that's what people talk all the time about Josh Nolan. And one thing you can say about the Redskins fans, they really <laughs> they critique let you know. the team. They critique their team. <laughs> In whatever fashion is not working or stuff, they're going to talk about let you know. Now, if things are going well, they're going to support them and fight you. You know, if you go against them, but by the same token, too, if things aren't going right, or they see something that they're going to voice their opinion. They're not delirious. They can see where the error is, and I think that that just comes from having a tradition of winning. Because believe it or not, you already know you've seen it throughout the years. This team used to win, and I think that it's disheartening to see and hear things, and you're just like, wow, we didn't we didn't get pick up any wide receivers in free agency, like. We know that's probably our weakest point on the field. We have wideouts making seven million, well, we some, and they can get off the five yards. To me, uh, the other day, uh, the quarterback um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and they wondered out loud why, when the Jets let him go, the Redskins let him go to New Orleans instead of trying to pick him up. And you see what Teddy's doing right now. Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna Teddy's healthy. You know he's been out for a while, but he was he was on the verge of being all pro quarterback in NFL in a short amount of time, and then the injuries hit him and everything. But he seems like he's healthy now. He's in a good system. They have a very good coaching staff with the Saints, and he has a lot of weapons around him. I'll tell you, a lot of weapons. A lot of quarterbacks like to have that. So. Um, I don't know, you know, in terms of the offensive line with the Redskins, if they would have been able to protect him and that kind of thing like that. But, you know, people are, people wonder, you know, why you let somebody like that go to New Orleans when he could come here. So Absolutely. Are I mean, there any other... Keenum's a good quarterback. Coke McCoy, those guys, they're good enough because they've been drafted, they've played, you know. But in NFL, there's no doubt about it. You have to have a top-slight quarterback in order to win. There have been very few teams that have won Super Bowls or went up with with pedestrian quarterbacks. Absolutely. You need top flight quarterbacks that can make plays and are consistent. And um, you know, they just not have not had that consistency. How many quarterbacks have started for the Redskins in the last six years? You can't even count. <laughs> At least about twelve or thirteen. List goes on and on. The list goes on and on. And that's a whole nother argument right there because the injuries, we could talk about them every week. Those injuries, the injuries for the Redskins in the last nine years, eight years have been ridiculous. I'm talking about injuries that, go ahead. Alex Smith was supposed to be the answer without being just injured. I don't know if he's ever coming back to be honest. I don't see him coming back, but he's a part of that 90 plus million dollars that we're giving to an offense that is not producing. That's too much money to give to an offense that did not show up in a Monday night football game. And that's a that's a GM problem. And honestly, that's a president problem. That's that goes to the top. What are you doing with the money? How are you spreading it out? Are you looking to gain, like, if I'm if I'm the Redskins right now, despite it all, I'm trying to get on the phone with Antonio Brown. I'm going to give him some of that cap room. But then again, you look at that and you look at the position we're in and you say, oh, well, we just need to take that cap space and re-sign Trent Williams. 
give them something to make them happy and renegotiate. Well, I, I tell you, you know, one of uh, maybe a smaller issue uh, with regard to this, you know, uh, I just uh, uh, want to say that they're going to miss Tony Wiley, the vice president Ooh. of uh, media uh, communications, who's been there for like about eight, nine years or something now, you know, true professional, did an outstanding job in an interesting environment there over these years. He's moved on to, uh, he's going to be with Special Olympics, but did a ter- terrific job in working with them for the last nine years. And uh, I wish him the best. Of He's a quality guy. People don't know Tony. Tony was with the, uh, the Cowboys as an assistant uh, early in his career. And he actually was the head of media relations uh, for the Houston Texans. When they be, you know, we're in Houston, and before he got the job with the Redskins, they brought him in. He did an outstanding job, and he's going to be missed. You know, there's some quality people in the profession, but he uh, he, he was one of the he was one of the yeah. best. He was one of the best. Yeah. And we actually had Tony on the show. We're going to have him come back on as a part of his parting gift to the Redskins fans very soon. That'll be great. That'll be terrific. Absolutely. Now, Mr. Hill. Joe Theismann or any other Redskin legend, your favorite. Who's your favorite player of all time for the Redskins? It's kind of a it's kind of a toss up. Okay, so there are a lot of ones, you know, but I would say I love Sean Taylor. Okay. He was, for the short amount of time that he was an unbelievable, I mean, his, his talent and what he brought, um, he's one. Another would be Ken Houston, the all-pro safety who I think one day belonged in the Hall of Fame. I mean, just an outstanding player um, uh, during his career there. And um, the third would definitely be Charlie Taylor. And Charlie Taylor because... Charlie Taylor was drafted out of uh, Arizona State as a running back. And they moved him to wide receiver. And he had a terrific career. He's, I think, if Charlie's not in the Hall of Fame, he's going to be in there. And just an unbelievable career. You know, came to play, true professional. You know, every year he was consistent. You know, mm-hmm. and Sean Taylor's on thing, he, he was only for a short time. And, he met, had an unfortunate, you know, he lost his life at an early age. But the time he was here, he was definitely a special player that I'm sure Redskins fans and the people would never forget. So those would be my three of the top players, uh, favorites of all time. If you had to ask those three a question, what question would you ask them? How do you feel about the current state of affairs with the team that you spent years playing now i have to ask you that question from a fan's perspective someone that's been in dc for 40 years 40 plus years how do you feel about the current state of the redskins i think that you know when you look at things that Everything, you live long enough like me, I'll be 70 my birthday. You, you know, you begin to understand that things run in cycles. And 
I just think it's a, I think there's a, a commitment there. Uh, it's got to figure out how to do things, you know, to get back to excellence. They just haven't found the right formula yet. But I think it's just a, a sort of a, a cycle that they're going through. And then once they kind of figure it out, I think they'll be back. I don't know if they'll ever be at the level that they once were, but I think they'll be at a level where fans can appreciate and respect them once again. Because I'm not so sure fans uh, respect them. They, they look at the, the true Redskins fans, they look and although they're rabid, they're sometimes delusional to me. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think that they are realistic about this team and they're looking down the barrel of a, a season they may only win three games. Yeah. And I think that you, you talked earlier, I think you'll see more and more as the season progresses. When it gets cold and they're playing against somebody it's not that, you know, it's not a good team. Or they, you know, they now the Eagles, they'll come for that maybe, you know, and the Giants and the you NFC know, East opponents. But some of the, you know, other opponents, I can see a sort of a sharp decline once they, because I think they get the Giants this week. It's going to be a very tough game up in the Meadowlands because the Giants are feeling good about Daniel Jones and their energy. And, you know, this, they got a chance to get a little something going. And then they follow next week at home with the Patriots. So they could conceivably be 0 5. They could. And, you know, from that, and from that point, the schedule doesn't get easier because there's still some tough opponents left. You know, they got to play. Uh, uh, the Cowboys again. They got to play the Giants again. The Eagles again. I think they they got a couple against San Francisco. I think they played Miami. Um, you know, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting season. Never did I ever think that. Just in, I mean, I've only really been in D.C. for four years. I've been watching the Redskins pretty much my whole life. I didn't see them being a. I hate to be like that. A toilet bowl game, and all you fans out there, you know what I mean by a toilet bowl game—a game where it's right. like, okay, right. I guess it's football. Um, but they used to be at least competitive against the teams like the Cowboys and such. They used to at least put their put their foot in the ring, you know. Yeah, I just I, I just don't see you know the the support coming this year. I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say people giving up, but they have really. I mean, they, they, they I think they've, they, they've, they've seen the reality of, you know, all the issues they have with regard to quarterback and injuries and Trent Williams and, you know, and they're saying, hey, we, we just resign ourselves to the fact that we, we're not going to have a winning season. How do we turn it around? And we, and we haven't even got and we haven't even got to October yet. <laughs> you know, so. Where, where's the positive? How can we turn this around? What's what? Where's the positive in all this? Where can we turn it around? I don't know if there's a turnaround. I think you know they got to make some changes, some 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 serious changes, uh, and just start over and build. Speaking of changes, I mean, that, that's the only that's the only solution I see to it. Yeah, it's not it's not working. Not right now. But uh, speaking yeah. of changes, Mr. Hill, if you had to pick a new logo based off of DMV culture and a new name with that new logo, what would you pick? 
That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's really a tough question. You, it, it, you almost uh, forced to use something dealing with politics, right? Okay. I mean, because it is Washington, the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could think of something like uh, um, the Marauders. I mean, that would be something that would come to mind. Something that means like, you know, something that's aggressive. Okay. That's trying to do something to capture, you know, to conquer, you know. That would probably be a safe one. The Washington Marauders, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Redskins. And maybe that would be the change that's needed. Maybe that's it. Maybe the name is maybe, a change. That's a very... Maybe, the change, maybe, you know, change the name, and, you know, to Marauders or something else. Or symbolic or, you know, what the change is about. And then it would, you know, permeate and the entire organization would change and all of that. So I just think it's it's a long way off, though, really. Absolutely, because there's just so there's so many people that. I mean, you get it because people don't want to let go of history, but I think there comes a point that you have to make a decision on what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, a lot of our history has not been right. And there comes a point when you have to make a decision on what are you going to stand for. And as fans, are you going to require your team to make a change? Because it's not like you're winning right now. So you have a whole generation of young people who are coming up. And you can change the name and it won't really bother them. Um, You know, there there are those who suggest that it's almost a curse of sorts on the organization because it refuses to change its name. And uh, I guess that's, that's up something for debate, you know, obviously. But uh, there are some people who feel that way. And that, some of that may be born out of, you know, frustration or disappointment uh, that they haven't been successful in the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, because back in the day, you know, early, people didn't, when they weren't conscious to the point they thought about, oh, that name may be disrespectful to Native Americans. They didn't look at that. We was like the Redskins. You identified with it, like you know. You didn't think about it like that. But now, you know, we're in a different time. You know, where people are a little more conscious about you know disrespect, disrespect, and things like that. That they can say, you know, hey, that's disrespectful. That's you know, you're not you know the Native American, and that's why you're losing. I mean, that's how some people perceive. I would say I I would say I agree with that sentiment, Mr. Hill. Your favorite Redskin moment? My favorite, actually, I'll take the favorite Redskin moment for me was when Doug Williams in the Super Bowl had uh, some kind of dental problem and. His temperature was up, and he they didn't think he could would play. And he came in and threw three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And he looked so comfortable. And I was really happy him because, you know, coming to Washington with Joe Gibbs, and uh, after you know what he suffered from with a new franchise in Tampa Bay, and, and having him playing for the Redskins, he 
you know, that was probably my, my greatest moment and see him be MVP of the Super Bowl. His flu game. His flu game. I appreciate you, Mr. Hill. I have one final question before we get, let you go. Mm-hmm. We have about $14 million in cap space left, right? Do you try and get some other pieces or do you just ride this out? I ride this out and evaluate apples and to look at what we need and what, what direction we can go in. All right. I wouldn't do anything right now because I think the die's already been cast. I think you just ride this out and sit back and do some serious evaluation once you make changes, because there are going to be changes made, and see what direction you're headed in, get some input from whoever that is, and move forward. There we have it. Thank you so much, Mr. Hill, Ed Hill. My pleasure. Legend. Thanks for having me. All right. And as always, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to Riled Up. We are riled up to bring you the hottest red skin topics with a twist. Again, I'm Tiffany Hoyt, your host, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at TT a Legend. That's T-T-A-L-E-G-E-N-D. Remember to stay riled up.